Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Saturday of the 17th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who constantly raise up in your church new examples of virtue, grant that we may follow so closely in the footsteps of the Bishop St. Alphonsus in his zeal for souls, as to attain the same rewards that are his in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah. The priests and prophets address the officials and all the people. This man deserves to die, since he has prophesied against his city, as you have heard with your own ears. Jeremiah, however, replied to the people as follows. The Lord himself sent me to say all the things you have heard against his temple and the city. So now amend your behavior and actions. Listen to the voice of the Lord your God. If you do, you will relent and not bring down in you the disaster he has pronounced against you. For myself, I am as you see in your hands. Do whatever you please or think right with me. But be sure of this, that if you put me to death, you will be bringing innocent blood on yourselves, on the city, and on its citizens, since the Lord has truly sent me to you, to say all these words in your hearing. The officials and all the people then said to the priests and prophets, This man does not deserve to die. He has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Jeremiah had a protector in Ahikam, son of Shaphan, so he was not handed over to the people to be put to death. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Rescue me from sinking in the mud. Save me from my foes. Save me from the waters of the deep, lest the waves overwhelm me. Do not let the deep engulf me, nor death close its mouth on me. Lord, in your great love, answer me. As for me in my poverty and pain, let your help, O God, lift me up. I will praise God's name with a song. I will glorify him with thanksgiving. Lord, in your great love, answer me. The poor, when they see it, will be glad. The God-seeking hearts will revive. For the Lord listens to the needy and does not spurn his servants in their chains. Lord, in your great love, answer me.
Alleluia, Alleluia. Happy are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Herod the Tetrarch heard about the reputation of Jesus and said to his court, This is John the Baptist himself. He has risen from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now, it was Herod who had arrested John, chained him up and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had told him, it is against the law for you to have her. He had wanted to kill him, but was afraid of the people who regarded John as a prophet. Then, during the celebrations for Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company. And so delighted Herod that he promised on oath to give her anything she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me John the Baptist's head, here on a dish. The king was distressed, but thinking of the oaths he had sworn and of his guests, he ordered it to be given to her, and sent and had John beheaded in the prison. The head was brought on a dish and given to the girl, who took it to her mother. John's disciples came and took the body and buried it. Then they went off to tell Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you stop to look at it, Herod is an interesting figure. He's a guy who exercises near absolute power in his region. Um... He's called Herod the Tetrarch because from his father, Herod the Great, he received a quarter of the kingdom uh, along with the other three Tetrarchs. And we hear about Philip, uh, whose wife Herodias, uh, Herod has kind of appropriated for himself. But anyway, Herod the Tetrarch, he's, he's on a pretty good wicket. Um, like, clearly he's able to exercise an extraordinary amount of power in his kingdom. I mean, he's, he's able to put John the Baptist to death without any due process. No courts, no judges, no sentences. Just pick up the phone, call the executioner, lop his head off, stick it on a platter and bring it back to the party. So he's clearly powerful. But despite this... He's captured by what in the old days we would call human respect. Now, you hear that at first and you think, oh, human respect has got to be a good thing, doesn't it? No, human respect in sort of the old moral language referred to the excessive regard for the opinions or the esteem of others. Now, here's the thing. To be respectable is a good thing. To be honourable is a good thing, but there is a way in which our desire for honours and for respect can become excessive. If we're focused on what other people think of us rather than on the substance of our actions, then we can end up on a bit of shaky territory. We can start working for other people's opinion rather than for what's truly good. And what's interesting with Herod the Tetrarch is that for all of his power, he's actually pretty dependent 
on the opinion of others. So look at the story. We're talking about Salome, this girl who seems to have danced quite provocatively and, and delighted Herod. And bear in mind, she's his stepdaughter, uh, which is a little creepy. Uh, but he seems to have caused such delight in Herod that he starts swearing that he'll give her anything she wants, even half of his kingdom. Now, I think it's probably not a stretch to imagine that Herod's had a few wines and, you know, the rest of the party have probably had a few wines and, you know, out comes the bravado. But here's the trouble. Salome ends up asking for something that Herod doesn't really want to give. Give me John the Baptist's head here on a dish. Now, we hear that Herod's actually a pretty superstitious kind of guy. And he holds John the Baptist in some kind of regard, uh, despite the fact that he's had him arrested and that John the Baptist has given him a bit of a dressing down because of his marital situation. Um, And so, you know, Herod has some degree of fear, perhaps, um, of, of John the Baptist. And yet, we hear this in the gospel. The king was distressed, but thinking of the oaths he had sworn... And of his guests, he ordered it, the head, right, to be given her to Salome. So what's driving King Herod to do something that he doesn't actually really want to do, or which he think might actually be the wrong course of action? Well, exactly that. He was thinking of his guests and thinking of the oaths he had sworn. In other words, he was captured by human respect an undue desire for the esteem and regard of others. So in this moment, you can kind of see in Herod two competing fears. On the one hand, he's got this fear of John the Baptist and the kind of influence that he's got as a bit of a miracle worker. But on the other hand, he's got the fear of losing face in front of his guests. What's interesting is that King Herod has absolute power. If the people disapprove of him, who cares? It's not like he's got to run an election later on. It's not like he's got to win their vote. If they don't like him, tough. I'm King Herod. Is there anyone else who wants their head cut off? And so these two competing fears, they kind of do battle. How afraid are you of killing John the Baptist? And how afraid are you of losing face in front of your guests? Well, it turns out he was more afraid of his guests than he was of John the Baptist. Now, obviously, this is uh, an extreme circumstance. You know, it's sort of right out there at the limits of, you know, what we're prepared to do in order to maintain our esteem, in order to save face. And yet, you know, perhaps we can see the same dynamic operating within us well, hopefully at least, in a, on a smaller scale. It's so easy to get pushed off from doing the right thing by embarrassment or an unwillingness to suffer misunderstanding or by the thought that maybe someone would have less regard for me as a consequence. 
In other words, we can avoid doing good and sometimes we can even do evil as a consequence of human respect. Now, today we actually celebrate the feast day of um, one of the great moral theologians, um, St. Alphonsus Liguri, and he actually gave a homily. He gave a sermon on human respect. Uh, And um, I'd like to quote to you a little instance that he recalled in this homily. He said this, One day, as St. Francis Borgia carried to certain prisoners a vessel of broth under his cloak, he met his son mounted on a fine horse and accompanied by certain noblemen. The saint felt ashamed to show what he carried under his cloak. But what did he do in order to conquer human respect? He took the vessel of broth, placed it on his head, and thus showed his contempt for the world. Jesus Christ, our head and master, when nailed to the cross, was mocked by the soldiers. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. He was mocked by the priests, saying, He saved others, himself he cannot save. But he remained firm on the cross. He cheerfully died upon it, and thus conquered the world. Isn't that good? St. Francis Borgia wasn't going to be deterred from doing what he knew to be right, just because he was embarrassed at the sight of his son and the nobleman mounted on fine horses. I'm bringing broth to prisoners. It's not glamorous, but it's right. And I don't care what you think. And so much did he resist this temptation to human respect that he puts this pot of broth on his head in order to give him that further embarrassment to conquer the world. But then, of course, don't we have that perfect example in Jesus? He saved others. He can't save himself. Are you kidding? He can save himself and he will save others. And Jesus, he doesn't buy into the mockery. He doesn't let human respect pull him from his cross to cause him to deviate from the course of action that he knows he must accomplish. What was King Herod willing to do? He was willing to cut off John the Baptist's head, which he didn't really want to do at all. But for what? Because he wanted to impress a bunch of drunken subordinates and his dancing stepdaughter. Clearly, we're dealing with a pretty powerful force. Human respect can drive us in directions that we don't really want to go, but we don't have the courage to avoid. So St. Alphonsus has got a little piece of advice for us. He says this, To overcome human respect, it is necessary to fix in our hearts the holy resolution of preferring the grace of God to all the goods and favours of this world, and to say with St. Paul, Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.